sometimes people feel extreme, but they're not. Other people should try to understand why people feel that way in that moment. What's going on, Refill Team Fairchild? As you guys know, the whole point of this podcast is just to help bring our community together. I've broken it down into simple things. We're just going to hack it out. We'll talk about humor and humility, accountability, connectiveness, and also kindness. And what other strings for our bows our guests have to bring to the table. Because that's how we make that beautiful music. So let's go ahead and get this episode started. Okay. Refill Team Fairchild. Back for another episode. Today I've got Tech Sergeant Andrew Keller. You guys may remember that we did a podcast with him, Sergeant Castillo and Sergeant Renfro, back when Sergeant Renfro just became an ALS cadre. Sergeant Keller, how are you today? Great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, one thing I've noticed during all of your ALS graduations is you say something whenever your flight is about to graduate. You talk about carnivore leadership. Can you explain? I did this on, I can't remember if it was my first or second. It was probably my first because my first flight was just great. Um, I've had many great flights since then, but they really were carnivore leaders in what I have come to recognize as carnivore leadership. I So I kind of go off script and uh, Sergeant Staten really gave me a hard time about it. She was like, I, I mean, I guess, because I asked her if I could do it <laughs> and, and and no one goes off script, but except for my, my predecessor, Tech Sergeant Hasty, apparently I inherited the off script uh, from him. But so uh, <clears throat> carnivore leadership is just, it. It's a portion of my leadership style. It comes from, it kind of like derives the history from uh, a set of papers written by Chief, well, Command Chief Master Sergeant Colin Lopez, Ramon Colin Lopez, who is the current SEAC, so his rank is SEAC. He wrote it back whenever he was a Command Chief, I think he was the Command Chief of the 1st Special Operations Wing, and it just, a lot of the, uh, the principles of that are things that I try to do. And it turns out that I actually learned them before I even knew about the papers. And I learned them while in a similar community because he's a PJ. Sure, yeah. And uh, so I learned about them in AFSOC. It's just the way the way things are done over there. Really, the, the things that, that I try to go for on that are, it's all about carnivores caring and like, that's why that's that's the culmination of everything or the reason for everything is that I care about I care about my people I care about my mission and that's the thing I try to get across to my my flights is you got to care about the people obviously but that's not the only thing you're responsible for you're also responsible for your mission as an NCO and as a new supervisor you got to make sure that your people are there to do the job but also you need to look out for them so it's kind of that balance and that kind of ties into the other part that the one of the other big parts of my leadership style which is extreme ownership which is a book written by two navy seal officers two former navy seal officers jocko willink and leaf babin and man this I i would recommend this book to anybody as the must-read leadership book. I mean, even if you're just going to be like a parent, read this book. 
That's what I. That's what. I, that's how strongly I feel about it. So, it's got it's got principles like believe, no bad teams, only bad leaders, prioritize and execute, decentralized command, leading up and down the chain of command, and uh, decisiveness and amid uncertainty. And those are just a couple of like, really the title chapters, or chapter titles, but. They are the the principles that that make up the book, but there's a lot more. So I really highly recommend you you read it. Anybody read it? Awesome. So and maybe you don't know the answer because again we don't know why Siak wrote or chose this, uh-huh. but carnivore. Because when you think carnivore, obviously you think yeah. lion, you think predator. But I mean, why not omnivore or herbivore? Does he kind of explain why carnivore? Yeah. So in volume number one, uh, which is the most Probably so. There's five. There's five of these papers. Volume number one is probably the most like readily available, most quoted, most read, and it's the silver bullets for uh, effective leadership. And in in there, he explains that the carnivore, the meat eater name, I guess, comes from uh, whenever he was attached to a SEAL team, and I, it seems like the SEALs are being brought up a lot here, but. That's not the that's not like the big catch piece. It's just it's the things about it. So whenever he was attached to a SEAL team, they would have discussions and they'd be like, that that is a carnivore right there. Uh, that's an herbivore, you know. Um, and it's it's mostly like who's at the top of the food chain, not necessarily in um, in pecking order, but more in a who's get who's out there getting after it every day constantly holding themselves accountable, constantly um, showing discipline, constantly pushing to be the best, all that stuff, not just sitting st- comfortable with the status quo. Nothing against, what, what's that big, long-necked dinosaur? Brachiosaurus? Uh, nothing against a brachiosaurus. <laughs> so how do, because I know ALS, your guys' curriculum is pretty stringent. You have a very, even more so than FTAC, you have a a timeline and you have certain lessons that are mandatory you can't deviate really how do you how are you able to incorporate some of your extreme leadership or carnivore leadership so it comes in very very well like it it, it incorporates very well i keep this book on my desk um in the in the flight room and I reference it regularly because I always talk about the great balance or they call it the great dichotomy of leadership. That's, again, the people and the mission. Sometimes I've encountered NCOs that are more concerned with the people. Sure. And that causes problems, right? Likewise, uh, NCOs that are more concerned with the mission also causes problems. Mm -hmm. You can't just be one or the other. You've got to be both. So... That um, <clears throat> that comes in to play nearly every lesson. Like I, I, I pretty much bring it up. So I'll, I'll at the beginning of my of the course, I'll be like, you'll see this book on my desk, um, and I'll explain a little bit about it. But I'll say this has so many principles about how to lead and good, um, solid, solid strategies and principles. But really, it comes down to this. Like you've got these two things that you have to balance. Um, and then also whenever it comes to, I know you, you're big on like explaining the why to people, right? The why to your airmen. Well, there's a chapter in here called believe. And basically it's 
you've got to believe in the things that you're telling your people. You can't just fake it. If you don't believe in something you're being told to tell someone else to do, you need to stop, turn back around and ask them why until you believe. And yeah, sometimes there are things we do that we don't agree with. I don't think agreeing is the same as believing. Sure. You got to know why. You might not agree with it. However, there's a line between that and, oh, okay, I understand why. Don't really agree with it, but hey, sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do or that we don't agree with. But as long as you can tell your people why. So the things in in this book, um, in Extreme Ownership, they go great with the curriculum. And I just kind of work it in every chance I get. Nice. So you brought up something, mission versus people. And there's back when course 14 was a thing and everything else. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but there's DISC, D-I-S-C, sorry. And basically one is mission is the most important. The second one is mission is really important, but so are people. Third one is people are really important, but so is mission. And the third one is people, 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 basically. So you've got your two extremes and your two where you prioritize mission over people a little bit or people over mission just a little bit where do you fall it just depends on the situation so in in one of our lessons we talk about negotiations and in negotiations whenever we're talking about uh the strategies that you might take in a negotiation like insisting or cooperating or complying we talk about task and people orientation task orientation is just like what you said the mission takes the task takes all the priority we got to get it done then People orientation is the opposite. It's all the people take all the priority. We just have to take care of the people. You know what? The mission can wait. Sure. Where where do I fall? It just depends on the situation. Like in any given if if the building was on fire, I'm going to be task I'm going to be task oriented. I'm going to be trying to get get people out, get myself out, try to put out the fire if it's something that that we can put out or call. 911 call the uh, uh, the fire department. But if it's my airman calls me in the middle of the night and is having some trouble with their spouse or with their own kind of emotional integrity, then people orientation. Okay. And then anywhere in between. It's like a continuum. When you think about it, though, just the four basics, is there one that you kind of are like, yeah... Overall, that's kind of just how I usually am. Like for me, I'm, I know the mission is important, but I know people are the most important thing to me. Mm. So I guess if I have the acronym right, I would be an S or I'm going to make sure my people are taken care of. And then hopefully the mission is going to be taken care of if my people are. Oh, I think I know. I think I know what you're talking. It's like a chart. It's like a pie chart. Yeah. I, I think I've taken the disc profile. Before. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember where I fell. But I'm going to go and say mission, like task orientation. Sure. Simply because that's just, that's kind of my wheelhouse. Back at the schoolhouse, we've got, we've got, everyone's got their own little niche. Sure. Uh, Mine is the mission. I've done a couple of things here on base for that. And it's just a place where I excel uh, or a subject that I excel in. Like Sergeant Keepers, she's the people. She's the people person. (laughs) Not like people pleasing person, sure, no. but she's all about people, emotional health, mental health, all that kind of stuff. 
So, yeah, I'm definitely towards the mission side. Okay. However, you don't get it done without people, you know? Sure. No, I always like to ask questions like that. And again, it's not because there's a right or wrong answer, but it's, again, a chance for people to see that even if two people act very similarly at work, you know, you, Sergeant Lindsay, Sergeant Renfro, and Sergeant Keepers, you all personify PME. But it's okay that, you know, you focus on one thing, Keepers focuses on another thing, Renfro and Lindsay, you know, I'll take turns, and certain Buning even, all have the different aspects that make a team come together. And well, back when certain Staten was your guys' boss too, you guys have a very unique dynamic that seems to really work. So it's interesting always for people to hear, just because you act a certain way doesn't mean that it doesn't fit into the, uh, you already said pie, but I'm gonna go with that. It doesn't mean that it doesn't fit into that. I can't think of any big words today into that the puzzle. mix. Yeah. Everyone has their own piece of the puzzle. That's how I look at, at things on a daily basis. And that is kind of linked with, it's all linked. Sure. It's kind of funny whenever you really start to think about it, like a lot of the, the good qualities that you want in a leader or that you want to personify as a leader, they're all very linked. And it, it comes down to, so the puzzle piece. I, I normally stick up for the mission, right? Sure. Uh, it, whenever it comes to our curriculum in our schoolhouse as our team, I'm the one that's talking about the mission lessons. Uh, other people are talking about other lessons. They, okay. These are their favorite lessons and all that kind of stuff. I don't approach it as it's all about the mission and all those other sure, lessons sure. can go away. I just happen to be the one that is more geared towards that. So I make sure that, hey, have you guys considered this? I did this reading, I, I, and I spin people up on that kind of stuff. Whereas I rely on my other teammates, I do my own research on those topics also, but they really add in their enthusiasm sure. and their passion to it. You can't all be one thing. You can't let yourself fall to extremes because the extremes are rarely going to fit every situation. And that's the thing that I try to get across to my students more than anything else is that when dealing with people in the military or out of the military, if you take an extreme viewpoint of it is this way or it's that way, you might not be right. There are some things that are this or that. True. I think that those, those situations are very, very, very few and far between. And I think that it, it requires a flexible mindset and one that is understanding of I don't know everything. Let me give, let me give these, I'm open-minded. I still have strong beliefs. I still am proud of who I am. And I still, I still uh, am a very, I, I can even be a strong personality. Sure. But I'm still going to uh, not take that extreme viewpoint and say, oh, that person's wrong because I know I'm right. I, I still got to like hear them out. Sure. And then sometimes we realize, no, you really are wrong, and I am right. But then we can try and help explain why, especially in those very black and white situations, why that individual isn't right. So leading up and down the chain. As a tech sergeant, you're in that kind of... Were you ever an NCYC before you became? Yes, yeah. So I, I spent a year as the NCYC of the main shop, uh, the main vehicle maintenance sure. shop here, okay. uh, before I came over to ALS. 
So leading up and down the chain, you're kind of right in the middle of the enlisted force structure. How, as NCYC, sometimes we're privy to information that we can't necessarily share with our younger airmen, or there may be even information that they're, we're privy to from their level that we're not ready and it doesn't need to be ran up the chain yet. You know, we want to try and see if we can handle it in-house, handle it within our shop. I have no idea where I'm going with this. I think I do. So how do I lead in that situation? Like, sure. how do I lead as an NCIC? How, like, I mean, one obviously thinks, we're probably thinking, well, duh, you tell your airmen what to do. And they do it. And Or you tell, as a, as a tech, you tell your staffs what to do. And then they go and tell their airmen what to do. It's more than that, uh, especially if you want to be effective in leading up and down the chain. First, I start with a daily example. And that's, that's a silver bullet of carnivore leadership. And it's uh, first impressions fade, but daily demeanor is constant or is okay. lasting. Uh, probably I misquoted that, but that's okay. So daily example, coming in, uh, smile on my face, not necessarily singing in the morning like my dad was, uh, but coming in, smile on my face, not necessarily just getting right down to it, but saying, hey, how's it going? sitting around having a cup of coffee with some people and then getting to it. <clears throat> and then throughout the day, making sure that I am being what I want to see in people. Sure. You know, being an understanding person, being a, um, a level-headed person, being a, someone who gets the job done, never asking someone to do something that I don't want to do myself or that I wouldn't do myself. Sure. And then it comes to, so that, that kind of inspires the folks down the chain, but it also, it also provides or builds trust up the chain. And then whenever it comes to leading up the chain, I'm constantly asking them why. And if they, if, if that why doesn't check out, I'm not insubordinate. I'm not disrespectful. I'm just like, Hey boss, that why that doesn't make sense based on this, based on the priorities we've had, we have that you've set based on where my work center is right now on that tasking, based on whatever, that doesn't make sense. Or just offering uh, offering uh, little adjustments. Like, that makes sense, but I think that this could, it could be done better this way. It takes a lot of like, it takes a little bit of courage sometimes. I mean, maybe not like drastic amounts of courage, but to be able to tell your boss I don't think that's right. Sure. I think that we need to, based on what we've talked about before, that doesn't check out. Sure. No, I like that. Because you, uh, you basically brought up expectations, which you could also just refer to as trust or accountability, especially with your younger airmen. I think it's, it's good for people to remember, especially being a young airman, right? I don't know if you ever had to buff any fours, but I buffed a lot of fours when I was an airman, A1C. I loved it personally. I would go Zamboni, the the hangar's not here, but at Milden Hall, it was a lot of fun. It was a chance to just get away and do easy work. But, you know, taking out the trash. And it's not, it's not a dig at any young airman today. I think our priorities have just kind of shifted mm -hmm. and we don't always remember to tell people what we took for granted. You know, lowest man on the totem pole, you just know to take out the garbage. And that's how you end your duty day. And then you can probably go home once your leadership says, or they see you taking it out of the like, yeah, just, just keep going. All right. So, but being able to take out the trash still. 
when we don't have FTAC going on. If the trash cans get full, it's myself, Sergeant Fields, and then a bunch of civilians that are all the same rank as us, if not higher. So we take turns, and that's just the expectation. They know when we have FTAC going on that they're going to take out the trash. So it instills those good standards and the even a little bit of discipline. And I think that goes a long way when it comes to you know, turning wrenches too, or serving food on the line, being the one to help out the customers at the different roles instead of just your airmen doing that. So you mentioned, you know, you try and come in with a smile every day, but sometimes it's hard. We all have bad days, you know, sometimes um, an untimely passing, sometimes bad news in general. How, how do you deal with those days when you, are you able to, even though you said you don't want to fake it, but are you able to fake it or how do you handle those days? My, they say like the best policy is honesty. Sure. My, my policy has tried, I, I, I'm, I try to be honest as much as sure. I can. I think I have, I have bent the truth. Let's, I will definitely say that and I will admit to it. And I have lied in my life, you sure. know, as a kid. Oh, yeah. But, um, <clears throat> I try to be honest about it. Like if, if I'm feeling something, I try to feel it. Um, this is kind of slightly off topic, but um, I have like I, I uh, anger is an emotion that I feel strongly. Okay. Anger, like you might call it righteous anger, like mostly because of uh, an injustice that I feel has sure. happened. I've dealt with that in my life, and whenever I was feeling angry, I would just remember like, hey, why am I feeling angry? This has come through age and maturity, but why am I feeling angry? Okay, is what I'm feeling angry about am I helping it by being angry I recently last year last April I lost a, a friend a good friend of mine to a car accident and it hit me it didn't hit me like quite as hard as I thought it would be or as I thought it would and honestly still hasn't sure. um, but I was honest I was in the middle of a flight at that time, so I had to leave, or I, I left. Uh, thankfully, I got to take, uh, not emergency leave, but take a, sure. a week of leave and yeah. go to his funeral. I was honest with my flight. I was. I, I said, hey, this happened. They cared. I think they cared because I cared about them, and they could tell. And that makes it better. So... The way you are on a daily basis and the way you treat people and the way you invest in people gives you and the trust you build in them. Trust is vulnerability. It's the willingness to be vulnerable. Sure. So if you can build that trust on a daily basis through what you do every day and you're able to be vulnerable to people, you're able to be honest about your emotions and you're able to be, you don't have to fake it because they know who you are. They respect who you are. And you can come in and be a little bit down and they'll probably, hopefully they'll help pick you up, you know, even if they are your subordinates. Um, yeah, I, I don't try to fake it. Sometimes, sometimes, and look, like I said, can't take an extreme viewpoint like, oh, it's always got to be, you just got to tell them exactly how you're feeling. Sometimes uh, the situation is not a, a super dire one. Sure. And you got to say, you know what? Feel a certain type of way. Whatever. Like, going to keep pushing today. Going to 
suck it up a little bit. That's not always right, but sometimes it is. So really it just depends on the, like where you're at and how, how severe, um, the, the feelings you're feeling are. No, I can appreciate that. I get what you're saying. I was actually sitting out and people on podcasts can't tell, but I was actually sitting out there the week of the, the UEI. Just had a lot of stuff going on that week. Yeah. And I thought I was hidden, but I was not. I guess I was hidden in plain... You know when you think you can hide? Maybe it's the camo. But I thought no one would notice if I just left the building and went to sit and collect my thoughts. Because I had a podcast to do in a little bit. And I knew my brain wasn't where I wanted it to be. And unfortunately, Chief Guzman saw me sitting out there. And he called me. He's like, what are you doing? Uh, I'm trying to just keep it together. A lot of little things building up. And those are the worst. Because you don't want to... And it's totally okay to bring your bad days to work. How you deal with them and how you process things and how you let it affect your relationships with others. That's the real testament. But um, he saw me sitting out there. so I wasn't going to tell him all the stuff going through my brain as he's walking around Chief Bickley for the day. It's like, I just got a lot on my mind, Chief. I'm just trying to clear before the podcast. It's like, well, okay. Do you, do you need anything? Like, no. I just, and it was cold. It was so cold that day. At least it wasn't raining like it is today. But, um, yeah, I think, and I always like to ask people about, you know, challenges, because I think, again, sometimes we expect our leadership to just be stone-faced and keep going and keep pushing because that's what we need them to do in order to get the job done, create, get the mission done, take care of the people. Uh, but sometimes allowing ourselves to feel those things and being able to take that knee that Chief Bickley talks about, Chief Guzman talks about, everyone talks about. It's totally okay. I think even Chief Gilmore, when she was here, mentioned, you know, sometimes we just need to be able to step back. So I just want people to remember that are listening out there. It doesn't matter if you're a chief. It doesn't matter if you're a mass sergeant or a tech sergeant or if you're an airman, a, a spouse, a dependent, a, a GS employee or DOD civilian. You're allowed to have bad days, but it's how we've built our relationships and how we carry ourselves when we're going through those times yeah you're allowed to break down you're allowed to feel all those things but just make sure that others understand why you're acting out and having that relationship you know andrew you're a little you're a little much today what's going on right you you just snapped at airman so-and-so for something that seems like you overreacted are you good no okay why don't you take a break i'll finish this lesson for you and go collect your thoughts, go do what you need to, then come back, right? So I think it's really important that we know our people. And again, people is very important to me. So whenever I was, I kind of, I did some uh, professional development, uh, a a two-part professional development series on carnivore leadership. And whenever I was doing it, I was also doing uh, the 22 push-ups a day for 22 days for, uh, to bring awareness to veteran suicide. And resilience was on my mind. At the end of Silver Bullets for Effective Leadership, Siak Colin Lopez says, this is, this is only 20 silver bullets. Create your own. I mean, because, you know, in a, in a magazine, he said, create your own, you know, 10 to make a 30-round mag. So I created some of my own. And the last one is all about resilience. So whenever it comes to my resilience personal, my resiliency personal my personal resiliency philosophy. There it is. It's 
be as hard as a live oak and as flexible as a palmetto. So those are two trees. Yep. I really like nature, which is, again, that factors into my resiliency. I like to go out and be out in nature. Um, it's good for my soul. So a live oak, have you ever hold, heard of the uh, USS Constitution? Yes. So it's an old, old, old ship. And it was, uh, it was commissioned in 1794. And it was, it's called Old Ironsides because it's made of oak. And... Um, and it's a very tough wood, right? So I want to be as tough as live oak. But I can't just be tough because then I'll break. At a certain point, everything breaks. So um, the palmetto trees, which my first my first duty station was Charleston, South Carolina. And there's palmetto trees everywhere. And there's hurricanes all the time. Yes. And yet those trees still stay. They still stand after those hurricanes. So I want to be as flexible as this tree that can withstand hurricane force winds. Um, <clears throat> you might be saying, like, how does that help? How does how do those words help? But I really think that personal philosophies and imagery helps. At least it helps me. If I can say today I'm a live oak, or today I'm gonna be a palmetto and be flexible then it helps me with that. So talk exactly what you're saying. Um, but that's my, my resiliency, uh, personal philosophy. And it, it all came from, it all stemmed from looking into carnivore leadership and trying to embody these, these different principles. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Is there anything else you kind of want to talk about? Really? It just comes down to what does not just what our what our air force needs because i think that most people that know me would say that oh i'm, I'm going to talk about the air force and the kind of and my air force and the air for, the leaders that my air force needs it's more than that it's the leaders and the people and the human beings that our world needs that our country needs we need people that understand that are open minded that don't take they don't jump to extremes Sometimes people feel extreme, but they're not. Other people should try to understand why people feel that way in that moment. Why does this person, why is this person jumping to an extreme? Let me talk to them. And then we can kind of come to an understanding. As leaders here in the Air Force, what that means is we need to take care of those two big things. We need to take care of the people and we need to take care of the mission. We can't be all mission and we can't be all people sure we've got to take care of them both there's no like we just don't forgive me for being cheesy but we don't accelerate change or lose without them i also bring like it all ties together it all ties back to where we need to be as an air force to win in the future but also where we should be as people so that we can have a good society and and that's that that's the benefits of these two styles or outlets, I guess, resources sure. that I've combined into my, my leadership style. Hey, I really appreciate you coming out today and just kind of, again, reminding us about this book, Extreme Ownership, and then also explaining how your take on carnivore leadership and how you've adapted it to your leadership philosophies and your traits. Um, if you want to come back again, you're always more than welcome to. 
But as for today, I think that's a lot to kind of just let people kind of absorb and hopefully it helps them figure out where they want to be as leaders as well. And knowing that, hey, it's okay to have different philosophies and different mindsets. We just have to figure out how to make it all work together. So thank you for coming out. And then for my listeners, you guys have a spectacular day. Thanks, Arnold. That wraps up another episode. If you guys want to be on the podcast or know someone who might want to, or possibly have an idea for a podcast, please have them reach out. They can hit me up at 92foxtrotsierrasierra.foxtrotsierradeltapapa.fairchildcharliealphaalpha.us.af.mil. And until next time, you guys have a spectacular day.